Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Intentional Performers Podcast, or welcome to if this is your first time being here. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. So the past few weeks have drastically changed the landscape of the world. While I am generally an optimist, it's my belief that the next few weeks will continue to be a challenge for many of us. With that in mind, I've been reflecting on what I could do to help. And the Intentional Performers Podcast has given me an amazing gift, a stronger connection to amazing people, and expanded my wisdom and knowledge. It's my hope that you, the listeners, have received that gift as well. So here's my idea to help others during this time of uncertainty. I'm creating a series of panel discussions with past podcast guests to help others learn, grow, and take action to better their lives and careers during this time. It's my hope that the content that we provide will help provide information to you to help navigate some of your toughest challenges right now in a productive manner. All of these conversations will be recorded via Zoom and then uploaded on YouTube. And then we will also upload the audio here so that these conversations and content can be shared with as many people as possible. We will be doing this over a three-week span, and then we'll go back to our original format and style of the podcast. So thank you all for being here, and hopefully you will find these conversations useful in just an uncertain, unknown, and chaotic time that we are all going through. So here is today's panel. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for today's panel on creating culture during uncertainty. And we are certainly in uncertain times. Uh, but the four people I have on the panel today are all in the weeds right now and thinking about the culture of their organizations or their teams and, and thinking deeply about culture. And I've been fortunate to chat with over 150 remarkable people on my Intentional Performers podcast. And these people have overcome adversity, thought deeply about leadership, and have set up intentional lives for themselves to perform at their best. So the coronavirus has created challenges for so many of us throughout the world. Ben talked about having to learn computers for the first time. Um, and I know many of us are, are dealing with challenges that are just new to us. So these panel discussions will help you if you're in need of learning and growing and dealing with some of these challenges. And while everyone on the panel has tremendous expertise, I also want to note that what we're going through is truly unprecedented. So there might be questions that the panelists don't have answers to, and that's completely okay. Uh, this isn't designed to give you all the answers. It's simply designed to have you think deeply about how you can handle this challenging time. So with that, I want Cody to just give an introduction to himself, and we'll have each of our panelists also introduce themselves. Appreciate that, Brian, and, and thanks for thinking of me. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to learning from Tanya and Chris and Ben as well. So um, a fantastic opportunity. So thank you for bringing us all together. Uh, yeah, so my name's Cody Royal. I coach Canada's men's national AFL program. So most people know Aussie rules either because they've stumbled home from a bar at 2 a.m. and flicked on ESPN or they follow Pat McAfee now, who is apparently the biggest fan and has been talking about it since uh, there was that one week of games that we had that, that he saw as well. So, uh, yeah, so my particular dynamic, uh, so it's the, it's the men's national team. So I literally have players from Vancouver to Halifax and everywhere in between. Uh, we have about 30 domestic club teams that I picked the best Canadian-born players from. And uh, we play international games against other countries. And then we work towards what's called the International Cup, which is a tri-annual World Cup of every country except Australia. So we go and play everyone from China to 
you know, Mexico and Colombia and South Africa. And, and it's just this magical, magical kind of mini Olympics around this indigenous sport uh, that's known as Aussie rules. So very, very cool for me to have moved to Toronto, Canada 10 years ago and still be able to be involved in my sport. And then, yeah, so if, if people have seen me before, they've probably seen me through uh, Where Others Won't, which was my book about leadership and culture. And I was lucky enough to interview people like uh, Ralph Kruger from the, uh, the Buffalo Sabres um, when he was chairman of Southampton Football Club, uh, Ted Sunquist, the former GM of the Denver Broncos for that book. And then that spun into a podcast. And, and that's how I think you and I got connected, Brian, through through the podcasting world. And, and I've been lucky enough to do some similar kind of things like this with, uh, with guests like uh, I had Adam Grant and Joe Dumas on episode one. So it was, uh, uh, I had to learn talking of learning technology, uh, try learning how to interview people like, like that on your first podcast, Ben. So, um, but yeah, it's, a, it's all around leadership and culture and just having discussions and uh, more to learn for myself. But uh, yeah, it's been a, uh, a great avenue for other coaches to learn as well. Tanya, why don't you go next? Cool. Well, uh, I echo Cody's sentiments in uh, thanking you, Brian, for bringing us together. Um, I, I feel very blessed to be a part of this conversation. And, and obviously, um, these are un uncharted waters for all of us. So uh, definitely look forward to learning today. Um, a little bit about me. Again, my name is Tanya Vogel. Grew up in uh, upstate New York, started playing soccer when I was four. Um, and I feel like, uh, you know, soccer and sport has opened uh, a world of adventure for me. Currently, I sit as the director of athletics at George Washington University, where I was fortunate enough to play, uh, played soccer there. And I was also fortunate to come back at a point in my career and be the head coach of the women's soccer team there. Um, but really, I've spent the better part of the last 20 plus years in intercollegiate athletics. And I think, you know, some of the things you'll hear today, you know, I feel like I've been a part of teams my entire life and um, being part of teams allows you to understand organizational development and, and really culture building and, and how you can thrive in different environments, including the unknown. Um, I think also, uh, you know, we've, we've been given a great opportunity here and, and those of us that are leaders of organizations um, despite not knowing exactly where this is going to go, we have a tremendous opportunity. So I look forward to this conversation and, uh, and just really am, am grateful to be a part of it. Thanks so much, Tanya. Chris, why don't you go next? Sure. Uh, well, hello, everybody. I'm Chris Herman. I am the softball coach and uh, senior woman, woman's administrator at Williams College, which is a Division III NCAA um, school in New England. Um, been coaching softball and also coach volleyball and golf and a few other sports along the way, like many people of my women, especially of my era, and um, really enjoyed that now and would have been 2020. Well, right now we are in the middle of a season, the season that wasn't. And as a spring sport coach, I, I know it's not a contest, uh, but it really is hits has hitting me in a couple of different ways as a as a person, as somebody who uh, is desperate to be on the field myself right now, um, and of course as a leader of um, other people, um, the kids, my players, um, their parents, the recruits, their parents, um, 
alumni seem to be fine, although also quite sad for their younger uh, counterparts. But um, really, uh, my experience is much more significant in terms of time than, than most of the people in my world, including my colleagues. So um, whether I want to or not, I'm looked to as a leader, which has been a great and fun challenge for me. Um, aside from my coaching gig at Williams, I... Hi, everyone. It's Brian. Just jumping in. We had some technical issues. And by we, I should say I, my computer actually froze during this conversation. And so you'll see me scrambling to try to get back on. And it was pretty amazing to see these four coaches just continue to have a dialogue. Every time I jump back in to ask a question and got my computer set up, I actually borrowed my wife's computer and then uh, went and grabbed my phone and ended up recording the rest of this on my phone. So sorry that this jumped around a bit. We're all sort of dealing with technology right now. Uh, But just to finish up Chris's bio, she also coaches coaches and she loves to help coaches in a one-on-one basis and also in group settings. And so she talked about her passion for helping coaches and developing coaches at a one-on-one level. And then the Recording also cut off when Ben Olson was introducing himself. So Ben is the longest tenured head coach in DC United history. This is actually his 10th season as their head coach. Obviously, they're not playing right now, but whenever they begin, Ben will be on the sidelines running around and and trying to help his team win games. And Ben's going to talk about some of his low points as a coach, but he's had a lot of success as a coach as well. They've made the playoffs four times in the last five years, including back-to-back-to-back seasons in 2014, 15, and 16. And in 2014, he was named MLS Coach of the Year after helping guide the team to the biggest single-season turnaround in Major League Soccer history, finishing the regular season in first place in the Eastern Conference for the first time since 2007. Ben also had an illustrious career as a soccer player. He played for DC United professionally. He also had tremendous success in college at the University of Virginia, and he played for the U.S. national soccer team as well. So Ben has played at the highest level in our country and represented our country, uh, and is really just an awesome guy who I've gotten to know, and he's going to share a lot about how he thinks about culture and what he's doing during this chaotic, crazy time. So this is going to jump back in to where Chris is talking about some of the things that she's doing as a coach to try to help her team right now, given that they were supposed to be in season and all of the chaotic craziness that we're all going through. Her team is no different. So I'm going to kick it over to Chris and hopefully the audio will work pretty well as you listen to this. And uh, thank you all for being here. And and thanks to these guests for sharing uh, themselves in such an amazing way. Um, you know, our group me is as robust as any, and we have, um, you know, three or four, probably every kid is in three or four different groups um, on that. And, uh, you know, we translated office, office meetings to Zoom meetings, but um, it has been very interesting uh, to see what some of the advantages of our have been. For me, as somebody who has sort of everything on paper, I have lots of things on paper or just a lot of clarity, maybe hopefully not too many words, but lots of lots of clarity if people know sort of what it's supposed to look like that we've been able to just focus on what we can do and um, recognizing we're sad about what we can't do. But um, it's been interesting to me that um, this whole obviously massive disruption has um, not been, um, not really stopped us in our tracks as much as not being able to play. (laughs) What what platform do you use to communicate to your players? 
Uh, we use a lot of just, so GroupMe, which is just a text app that's, uh, um, you know, it's like WhatsApp. Um, and um, we, we use that all the time. That's how, often how we communicate. I'm a, just a big Google Calendar person. So it's not just like communication, but in terms of keeping in touch, we, um, and we use a lot of Zoom and, um, and, and um, encouraging people to go face-to-face -face on Zoom as much as possible. But then the kids, I'm sure, have plenty of other, um, you know, just from kid to kid, lots of other ways to do it. I'm, I'm a person without an iPhone, so FaceTime is not my, my thing. But um, it's, um, so a lot of that. And it's always encouraged to Cody's point about like, hey, I'm feeling sad, right? Or whatever it is. We actually have one of our groups is called list of fails so like that's where you put like when all the stupid stuff happens so sometimes it's just goofy but other times it's not like and that's been up for like three or four years and so even like alums will put in like yeah i went to work today and like you know whatever my fly was down or you know whatever whatever happened so we're really encouraging like hey stupid stuff and you're going to screw up a lot and that's like a big part of our culture but that's you know that's not new for us so um now it's just you know more about how my mom or my sister or my dad is or my dog is driving me crazy that's the stuff that's happening day to day but the training and the um, communication is actually quite similar can you all hear me am i back yep and hi welcome back brian <laughs> if ever there was a time where you felt like you didn't really matter it felt kind of unimportant it is going in and out of a facilitated conversation where it seems like people are having um, good conversations without you. So uh, hopefully you all enjoyed chatting and I tried. You, you brought the coaches together, man. You know, this happens every time. As soon as you, you've <laughs> exactly. been, to, you've been to parties where you meet another coach and you're like, let's go to the back corner and talk about coaching. Cause I'm not interested in the rest of this stuff. That's what Brian does that to everybody. It's a strategy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So or it was technology. Yeah, it was just a, it was a plan. My computer froze. It's just frozen. It doesn't even have to do with the internet. So I don't even have that as an excuse. Then I got my wife's computer. That wasn't working. So now I've got you on my phone. So what a world to live in that we have three options to do video conferencing. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I jumped in at one point. I know, Cody, you were talking about some heavy stuff. And, and Chris, you were just mentioning um, – some of the things you all are doing from a, from a culture standpoint. So I don't know what I missed, but um, Tanya, I don't know if you shared what you're doing at GW, but you started in the introductions. And when I heard you talk, you said, we're really thinking about, you know, how we can do things now and, and what opportunities exist. Can you talk about some of the things you've been doing since this all started? And, and since, as Chris mentioned in her introduction, some of your students aren't even getting to have their spring season. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to start there. And that's uh, as a leader, uh, we, we all started with the crisis, right? So um, the first things that we had to do was um, solve that or stabilize that piece, which for our spring sports student athletes was this devastation um, it, it, that included everything from letters from them, from their parents, like, don't, don't cancel, don't cancel. And um, I, I can remember there was a 48 hour period that probably felt like three weeks where we were, we were actually up in New York for men's basketball. And um, it went from, you know, okay, we're going to conduct a tournament without fans to, um, all right, we've got to cancel this tournament. Um, 
And then within 12 hours, we're canceling all of spring. And, and so dealing with that crisis and making sure that you're communicating regularly and trying to calm a storm that you yourself don't really, you really don't, you're just, you're just entering the storm with everybody else. And I think was, was part of our first task, tasks as leaders. And then it was, okay, well, how are we going to do business? I mean, we are in the business of touch, right? We're in the business of face-to-face. We're in the business. I got athletic trainers and strength, strength and conditioning coaches. They are literally, you know, their, their trade is face-to-face and hand-on-hand, right? Um, and so how, how do you set um, an expectation that it's, it's our charge now to figure out how we're going to do business differently? Um, and so for the leader, it was, it was exactly that. Let's get on the phone. Let's start with our WebExes and our, our Zoom meetings, um, setting an expectation for, um, hey, I know this is different, but let's figure out how to do it. And let's, um, let's be innovative and um, let's have fun with it. And, and let's remember that we've got a bunch of student athletes that are craving our leadership and they're craving that touch. So let's figure out how to do it. And uh, the great thing about being an athletics director is you got, I got 120 full-time employees that are way more innovative and way more creative than I am. And so as long as I set that expectation and then encourage them to, to really think outside the box, the stuff that's been coming out of not just our athletics department, but the stuff that's coming out from, from across the nation, division ones, two, two and threes, like it's, it's incredible. And we're all, you know, we're copying and, and, um, and looking outward for great ideas and, uh, it's just, it's been a, a great time of innovation. And so I, I keep saying every day I, I send a little text to my team and I'm like, let's grow as opposed to let's go because I just look at, at this as a great opportunity to grow. And, um, you know, where, where a lot of people are saying, okay, this is a great time to catch up on Netflix. Um, I, I really look at it. It's a great time to, um, to invest in yourself and to invest in one another and really grow. I mean, when else, in our lifetime have we pressed somewhat of a pause. Um, and so we've got this great opportunity of a little bit more time to um, be innovative in how we're going to teach and train and, and develop our people. So it's been, been a lot of fun. Well said. Ben, I'm curious for you, as I have to swipe to see you, um, at the pro level, we've talked a lot about how you played college soccer and then you get a lot of kids that come in from college soccer and they have an environment where there's more parameters, maybe there's more control. Um, but at the pro level, how are you thinking about this time and the interactions with your entire staff and the players? And are you doing anything intentionally to try to stay connected to them? And how do you think about it? Yeah, we, we always joke when we do our interviews at the college combines, when we sit down with college kids, uh, we're always amazed at how, um, how committed they are to their college and their college coach in, in almost, and don't take this the wrong way, in a cult-like way. And Perfect. it is amazing. It is amazing the way they... Uh, to talk about uh, Tanya, what you're saying, they, they just thrive leadership at that age. And I think all pros do as well, but it is a different, it's a, it's, it's such a, a molding time for them. And they're so committed. They're all at the same age, you know, similar personalities in some way. Um, you know, then you kind of, the, the difference there is now you go to a pro and I have a 20 year old Estonian coming here who 
um, has been in the country for a couple weeks. Uh, and now he's locked in his house in Arlington and he doesn't, you know, have any infrastructure. I got a 16 year old, uh, 17 year old kid. We just signed from the Academy, uh, making money for the first time. And, uh, then I have a, a you know, a, an older guy with five kids in his home. So there's so many different dynamics with our group right now and trying to keep tabs on maybe giving a little bit more love, uh, to certain individuals that that we think uh, might need a little bit more of a support support structure you know we're, we're in the business of controlling these players when we have them from eight o'clock to two o'clock it's about control and uh, to have our hands on the trainers sports science department uh, what they eat how they train down to the minute uh, with the GPS and the heart rate uh, we're not used to not having control of these players. So now we're going to uh, trying to check in daily with them through questionnaires, uh, through them uh, almost homework assignments from what are they doing, uh, <clears throat> finishing their tasks physically, right? Whether it's the strength stuff, whether it's the aerobic stuff, <clears throat> all these things now are, are new to us. Uh, I, I too have a very good support system. Uh, with uh, sports science trainers, uh, administrators, so uh, we they do a, a very very good job uh, of keeping tabs on these guys in a in a uh, on a daily basis. Um, our priorities are keeping them safe, making sure they're in a good environment, uh, making sure their fitness levels are um, at least sustaining to a certain level. Because uh, we built, we were in two games in the season. So we built this level up through preseason. Now we have two games. If we can sustain that as a second priority, uh, so when we do come back in a couple weeks or a couple months, um, we are in a, a, a better, better situation to get them fit, which is leading them into a very condensed schedule if they're going to actually have a season this year. And then our third priority is the, the injured players. And how do we, when you're not hands-on, uh, get these guys to return to play? So uh, that's kind of where I spend most of our days. Uh, one part of, of the continuing culture, Brian, we talked about when, when you were off was, uh, you know, I, I really am looking for, for ideas today on how to continue our culture that we have on a day-to-day -day basis where I can look these guys uh, in the eyes um, and, and do that virtually. And some creative ideas. Um, to to kind of um, continue that so we don't have to restart when we get back. Uh, you, back you talked out. about you talked about love there, Ben, uh, um, at the start, and I think to marry together your idea there with what Tanya was what Tanya was talking about before was, I think this is a really good pause for us to actually learn about the human beings that we're dealing with. So. Uh, Again, right now, you know, we're, we're talking about how everyone's learning to use technology and everyone's learning, you know, to deal with the fact that the, the guy upstairs is doing jump squats, uh, you know, that, uh, that, that reverberate through my apartment or the dog runs into the back of the, or the kids run into the back of the conference call or whatever it is. And, and there's this really unique time right now where everyone can empathize with everyone else around the world. 
And that doesn't happen very often. There's probably been the Great War, the Great Depression, um, and, and very few circumstances where that's happened. And so it becomes this idea of, can we really dig into, um, you know, what what does their what do their circumstances really look like as players? Like when you take the mask off and you take the bravado off, and we can all talk about our fears and and the things that we're thinking about right now, whether it's our family back in Estonia or um, you know an elderly grandparent, or you can really dig in from a coaching perspective and learn about what's underneath um, the the masks of of our athletes and of our staff and the the people you know the receptionists. I think it's a really unique time to, to learn about that love, show that love, learn about human beings rather than just, you know, I've heard particularly on Twitter, like a lot of coaches just giving their, their players X's and O's projects. I think the project here is to learn about human beings because we have so much time to, to, to scroll X's and O's all over the, the whiteboard. Um, I'm not just, I'm not saying go completely one way, but I think this is such a unique time where we all have some sort of fear and uh, or some sort of common thing to talk about literally everyone on the face of the planet. So I'd love to see us using that rather than just trying to do more projects on, you know, my defensive midfielder should have actually been here rather than here. I love that. You know, I, I think through the first week of our telecommuting, and to Cody's point, it's like day one, everyone's fine. We're dealing with the technology. Day two, everyone's fine. We're dealing with the technology. Day three, you start to see the stuff in the background. And day four, especially for our staff members that had kids that are now, um, you know, they're, they're, they've become teachers. Um, they've become PE teachers. They're, um, you know, they're working across the room from their partner or spouse. Um, I just remember day four, I was like, oh, we, we've got to figure out some new things. And so that empathy knob got cranked up on day four and, and we've made adjustments. But to Cody's point, being able to, um, to really see people where they are at and, and not let this just be a, a COVID moment, um, but really thinking about how we bring that into practice when we return to quote unquote normalcy and in remembering that everybody shows up on our playing field um, with, with different stuff going on. And how do we incorporate some of those, uh, I guess, COVID moments when we get back to, to normalcy, I think will be a key for, for all of us. I agree. It's been interesting um, because this whole getting back to normalcy thing, like obviously this is quite abnormal, um, but and I, I said this a little bit before, but listening to everybody's challenges, not just on this call, but otherwise are really reminding me that for many years I've thought of myself as sort of uh, not as good of a coach as I should be because I focus so much on the culture and the environment and the people and much less on um, the X's and O's. And so I always thought I was like sort of behind the eight ball there and I recruit the best players I can and know that I, I actually don't end up with my model um, with the less touch. I don't have that much time to make them significantly better players. So it works for where I am coaching. Um, but I'm finding that's a huge boon to me right now and getting back on the field and seeing the kids and being able to like give them a hug and shake hands is really something that I'm looking forward to, but I am not seeing that big a change in how we operate our team, which I think just sort of is 
proof uh, in a way to what we're all saying, right? Which is like being humans and touching each other and um, saying like, hey, how you doing? And like, oh yeah, that's a cute puppy. Um, all that kind of stuff really does matter while still trying to figure out ways to help them get better without us, right? Which is um, coaches are, you know, notorious for being, I can fix this people. And so now we, we can't fix it on a bunch of different levels. So uh, it's been really, really interesting um, for me um, to see the difference in the people that I work with based on how they sort of approach their main, their main, the main piece of the puzzle for them. Chris, earlier you talked about coaching coaches and how we're forgotten about in this whole thing. And it's, it's funny you bring that up because at 8 a.m. this morning, I did a, a live podcast about coaching health. And, and I've done, I've presented a, at a bunch of different sports leadership conferences about that idea and, and why we don't see ourselves as talent as well. And so while we, we kind of scratch around for, you know, 0.1% gains in the gym with our athletes and seeing if they can squat a little bit more, there's potentially a, a greater competitive advantage by us actually taking the high performance lessons that we have about optimizing human beings and applying them to ourselves. So, you know, sleep, you know, we, we tend to, you know, the, the newspaper article is about the NFL coach that gets three hours sleep and sleeps at the facility and is working so hard. And we, we create champion out of that and we, we canonize that person um, and lift them into sainthood because they didn't sleep. And that's what allowed them to find this wrinkle in the opposition game plan. And, and uh, uh, to use a word that my wife's Irish and so to use a common word there, it's just bollocks. And, um, you know, I think it's a really interesting time for us to think through our coaching and ourselves and our own performance from a holistic health perspective, sleep, nutrition, diet, you know, spending time with our families, protecting time for our families and our friends and, and, um, uh, so I'd be interested in your perspective. So we've talked about how we've facilitated the cultures with our athletes that we've built up. Have you seen anything amongst the coaching group that you work with and that you coach that's um, any different, you know, through the kind of two weeks or whatever we've been going through this? Oh, we can see you now. Cody, was that what was that? I was just asking Chris uh, if she, if she'd seen anything amongst the coaches that she works with um, that's any different during this time. Yeah, I think Chris just said that she's in the same boat as me, so uh, technical difficulties for sure. Well, um, why don't I open? Let's open it up to anyone then. Like how how um, how the coaches been dealing with this issue because it's it's for us as well. Tanya, yeah, you yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, I'll speak. Um, there's a couple of things that happen. One, um, and I appreciate the leadership uh, with the NCAA when, when they put, um, they basically put a pause on recruiting. Um, so as we canceled all our seasons and sent all our students back home, uh, the NCAA said also, you gotta, you gotta stop with in-person recruiting. Um, and I think for, for our coaches, um, what we did was we created a platform. We have uh, about 20 head coaches and an additional, you know, 45, 50 assistant coaches. 
we've created a platform for them to share ideas on how they're staying connected. Um, and that platform turned into, oh, and by the way, this is the book I'm reading and this is the podcast that I'm, I'm following. And um, these are the things I've done with my family. So it became a place for them to share. And I, I think um, it was important for me to say, it's it's okay to do this now, right? Um, because I think sometimes one of the, the biggest challenges with our coaches is that they're going to go, go, go. They're driven. If you've hired the right people, they're driven. They're competitive. They're always looking for an edge. And the world has basically said, like, we're going we're gonna to just reel back in a little bit from that edge. And, um, and so I think we've, what I've seen is just this idea sharing, um, almost an online conversation about what they're doing to invest in themselves. And, um, and so, again, from a leadership standpoint, it's my charge to figure out when we return to normal, how can I create that? Um, and how can we uh, do an after action review on what, what we learned from this process that we think is important to carry with us going forward because the competition and the drive and the edge is gonna return, right? And so how do we as leaders um, identify um, what, what good things come from this and that we can put into practice. And I, I think it's going to be a challenge, but um, something that we should, should keep on our list of things to do after we're done with this. You know, Cody, uh, follow up question to that, which speaks to it is a lot of the executives that I work with, we always talk about working on your business versus working in your business. And a lot of times C-suite uh, executives are always just in it and they're just driving and they're going. And I think coaches are the same way, especially when they're in season. And then we've had conversations about it. When you're in it during the season, it's hard to think long picture. It's hard to work on stuff. Tanya, even the athletic department, when you're in it, there's so much that needs to be done execution wise. Um, and Cody, I'd be curious your perspective as well, working in business and working on the podcast and the book. So for each of you, I'd be curious to learn a little more about working in the business versus working on the business. And if you take out business and think about the culture, uh, and are you doing anything now that are, that's maybe more long-term because you don't have to develop a game plan for the week and you don't have to necessarily execute in the same way you did previously. So Ben, maybe you, you give it a go. And Chris, if you have perspective on this as well, um, maybe I'd love to hear from the two of you first and then kick it over to Cody, but Ben, are you doing anything to work on your culture, on your organization that maybe you wouldn't have been able to if, if you were playing right now? And you're still muted, Ben. Uh, you know, I, I've kind of shifted it selfishly more to myself and my family and the, the filling that void. Um, you know, having that void, there's some anxiety to that of, of being a coach. I got to be touching these guys every day. Um, I need to fill this day uh, with productive time with my players and getting them better. But uh, I'm, I've also been um, un understanding that this is out of my control. And uh, for the first time in, in my life, um, I think it is has been beneficial for me, I think, as a human being. Uh, this time of year, I'm looking through my children. I'm looking right through them, uh, giving them the time, helping with homework, dealing with all. I have three young kids, um, and uh, uh, same with my wife. 
in, in a lot of ways. So I'm using this time to, again, accept that uh, uh, I, I, I have some time on my hands and uh, to, to fill that void through um, being a better father, being a, a better husband. Uh, as you know, I paint. I have a, a hobby. I have a studio across the way. I've been, I've been painting more. Um, and again, I'm still doing my job. I'm, I'm still waking up thinking about that first and uh, connecting to players. But there's only so much you can do during this time. In my world, that's how I feel. And to take advantage of uh, some of the things that I haven't been able to do for 10 years while I've been in this intense cycle of coaching and being all consumed in a result-oriented job. Um, so that's, yeah, being okay with uh, painting a few times a week and going to my studio, uh, trying to enjoy um, homeschooling with my children, uh, taking more walks, uh, more hikes, uh, and just being more present. Now, the trick is, as we've talked about many times, how do I do that when the games start to kick in? And I got four players and agents and, you know, coming at you and we just lost, right? And it's Sunday morning and now the kids are in your bed and you lost last night. How do you focus then? It's very tough. I've been trying to do it for 10 years to figure that part out. I think in a lot of ways, it's gotten worse for me. And my, as a player, Losses were harder uh, as I uh, became an older player, more experienced player. And I don't know if that was because I was more invested. But as a coach now, losses are, are even tougher. And you would think it would be the opposite, that it would get easier and better. Uh, but the consumption and the all-in factor of being a coach, the longer I do it, uh, you don't, at least I don't, I don't figure it out. I don't figure out the balance. I have not been able to do that. Uh, we've talked plenty of times about uh, certainly methods uh, to, to go about that and to keep some perspective, but it's emotional, as you all know, and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a tricky thing. Chris, one of the things that I was blown away by with you when, we, when I had you on the podcast was how process and system-oriented you are. and However, the years you've built these systems and processes to help you uh, develop the culture and uh, develop the the team that you want. Um, so maybe a two part question. One is if you have any insight to that question I asked previously, or is there anything that you're doing differently now um, that's beneficial? And then two, I'd love for you to share what you've created over the years to try to help you uh, handle the stresses and the the challenges that Ben's talking about. Uh, sure. Well, thanks so much. It's been, um, so the short version of my personal story is that about 25 years into my coaching career and probably six or 700 games, and that's in D3 where we're playing 30 a year, so a long time, um, I sort of uh, had a moment, uh, it almost was a moment or two moments where I sort of stopped in my tracks and changed everything. I, I I revisited all the things that we do and that we didn't do and my attitudes and my approaches. And, and um, so 
there's a there's a long lot to that but um so having sort of stopped and started over i've sort of built um not from the ground up from for from the inside out really um i guess which may be a little bit of a cliche but it's, i took the time one of the things i actually did was i stopped reading and listening i guess podcasts weren't that big a thing but i stopped reading other people's stuff and i started thinking about my own stuff and doing a lot more writing i literally like and i'm like probably many of you, the one who reads all of the good stuff, right? But I, st I just stopped and I decided I needed to figure out who I was going to be as a coach. And I redid everything. And then that turned into, it went from sort of who I am and my values to the processes and really developing culture and also developing like plans for how I'm going to run a season X's and O's Y's or how I'm going to run a recruiting plan. So I have all this stuff on paper. Um, and by having spent that much time doing the planning, now the execution is actually fairly simple for me. It's not always easy, but I, I know what's gonna happen next or what I should do next. And it's really given me an incredible peace of mind to know that as long as um, uh, paying attention, right, and I'm doing what I said I was going to do, um, I'm gonna be okay. And then, you know, to, to Tanya's uh, after action review, I do a lot of that. So I spent most of my time planning and I have the systems and the execution is fairly simple. And then in review, I go back around. So, um, and you know, the winning came along with it. So as a competitive person and the emotional, like this, the numbers do not lie. I went from, we we're always good. Williams has an amazing tradition of winning in all sports. Um, but went from like, yeah, we're, we're doing okay to like really killing it. And that I know is a factor of the, some of the stuff that I did, but also sort of my approach to it and how I come to each day uh, much more with much more clarity in terms of what, what things should look like. Literally, that's my language is what is it, what, what does it look like and what does it not look like? And if we can define what it's supposed to look like and define the, what it will look like if we're not doing what we said we're going to do, which is, I believe at least a triple negative, um, then we are gonna be okay. So um, it's process, but it's um, also just super amount of clarity and everybody knows what they're in for and only the people who are gonna really like that kind of program come here. Um, so it's really embedded in my recruiting process. Um, so it's been really fun. And as a, as a mentor of coaches now, as I'm also an assistant AD here, so, I'm not a sports supervisor, but I do mentor our newest coaches on a regular basis. Um, and, um, you know, I feel like curiosity is the most important trait for me as a coach. And just by figuring out how I, what's going on for them and how I can help them, it's been um, really, really interesting. Um, and one Chris, of the things that's come out of it is like, we're not that important, really. Chris, how uh, much of that process do you share with the players? Uh, almost all of it. Almost all of it. Um, it's different. It's in different bite-sized things. There's sort of like, uh, you know, things for, for all of us, for any member of our team, or for any of our program, for any member of like this year's team, which right. doesn't include like recruits and alumni, for captains, for, um, you know, for position groups even, and then certainly for the staff, my staff, which is me and one other person. Um, and, but that's important. Like we like literally, you know, she thinks I'm crazy, but we sit there and be like, okay, we're going to have like a, you know, a staff meeting and here are the things that are on a piece of paper. These are the 10 things, 10 dimensions by which we measure ourselves. How are we doing? And, you know, that doesn't need to take that long, but, and it feels a little contrived, but in the process of setting those things up and setting them to paper and asking 
her and asking myself, like, are these the things? Like, I mean, part of it is like, are we asking the right questions? And by consistently, you know, asking, are these the things? And then asking the questions themselves and then figuring out what the answers are. And then asking again, were those the right questions? Um, or what do we have to do next? It's just a cycle of um, activity and consideration that honestly makes, makes things pretty easy. I mean, not, you know, not, not emotional, not challenging, but um, I always feel like I know what's going to come around next or what should come around next. Um, and then there's the flip side, which is we say hi, hot, H-I-H-O-D, which is head and hands on desk when you're like, gosh, darn it, I knew I should have, right? So like, if you always know what you're supposed to be doing, then you really know when you're not doing it, which is the downside. Brian, um, we, those are some of the things. Sorry, Chris, I wanted to touch on something you touched on there, but Brian, the, the name of this is creating culture in uncertainty. Is that what we, we titled it? Um, <laughs> So you, you touched on there, Chris, you know, uh, meetings with your assistant coaches and, you know, in thinking through as, as problem solvers, like we all are essentially, you know, whether, whatever your title is, our, our job is to solve problems. And um, what I've seen a lot, again, in business or in sport is what happens in times of uncertainty or uh, underperformance is what leaders tend to do is, or like top leaders, like I'm a head coach. So they tend to, uh, suck up more and more of the um, uh, responsibility away from assistant coaches or in business away from VPs and they take it and they, they, cause they want the control. Right. And so you, um, and so what I'm mindful of in this period of time as well is actually making sure that uh, one, I don't do that. And I actually push responsibility back to my assistants um, including those conversations. I don't need to speak to every single one of my players every single day. We as a coaching group need to speak to all of our players. And so, you know, I, I think that's one thing that I've been mindful of. And again, this has come in creating a, a culture for us where I'm at a, I'm lucky I'm at a point where I have assistant coaches who they actually coach in game. And my role in game is, um, is opposition analysis and finding our one or two players that have a, a matchup advantage over the opposition. So I'm lucky in that I have that access. I know you said, Chris, that you'd have one assistant coach. And so your dynamic may be different, but I think, you know, if I were to pass on a message to, to any head coach is don't suck up every single thing that you can possibly do during this time, make sure you push back down on that and, and give, others voice, give others a voice, give others opportunities to coach, give others opportunities to learn about the players, to pass on messages, to create dialogue, to all the different things that we do. Um, just knowing that as leaders, we are naturally inclined to, when we start losing, like Ben talked about is like, you, you get like, uh, how much more can I control? And you, you try and grab hold of everything. Whereas what you're trying to do is, is have culture replace rules and not just apply more and more rules because you're losing or more and more rules because there's a period of uncertainty is you, you kind of want to wait, wait and wait and have that manage, have that culture govern the process of uncertainty. Also Cody to jump on there, there's one, a really great opportunity for the coach who struggles with that idea of, of, 
you know, uh, deferring or diffusing responsibility. Like there's no games happening anyway. So you can give your assistants some big projects that feel really, really important and they're not going to hurt anything. You know, you, they're just going to report to you. They're not bringing it to the field. So I've been encouraging a bunch of coaches that I work with for the same thing. Like, oh, you know, what are all the things you said you'd do when you had time? Well, first of all, now you have time and you can probably do two X that if you have just one assistant, right? Give half of the things to them. And, you know, just if, if you're nervous about it, I mean, even the very youngest uh, newest assistants, like, I mean, I'm consistently surprised by what my young assistants, um, you know, it's stupid to be surprised, but it's, a, you know, they're, they're really interested in this too. And it's a, such a great opportunity. And as head coaches, we all are really responsible for growing our people too. So I think that's a really important point. It goes the importance of making sure those uh, hirings around you are the right people. And they better better hide some of your deficiencies. And I know we're all perfect up here. Uh, but, uh, you know, I learned a, a, a pretty hard lesson a few years into coaching that I was doing everything. I was trying to uh, manage up, down, do training sessions, deal with the injured players, deal with agents, uh, scout. And you're just, you're too thin. So at some point, you got to boil it down and understand what you're great at. Uh, and uh, for me, it was, uh, <clears throat> I, I learned the hard way through a really tough year, uh, a losing season, one of the worst seasons we've ever had as a club, one of the worst seasons in the history of the club. Uh, I learned it, uh, I learned it that way. And to figure out uh, that as painful as that year was for me, it showed very, very clearly uh, my strengths and weaknesses. And uh, so I, I did a little bit of a reboot and a self-analysis and uh, who do I need to surround myself with to, to make sure as a whole uh, our staff is, is, is moving this club forward. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just, you know, and, and whether that's a personality test, you know, I've, I've gone through plenty of personality tests around that time <laughs> to really figure out, I know as elementary as it sounds, but I encourage all coaches. I was like, get a personality test, get a management test. Uh, Brian would tell you, I'd be the first to tell you, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, I've got it all figured out. But once I did, it was like, whoa, this, this thing kind of nailed me. And I better figure out all those weaknesses that, uh, you know, when I identify potential people to help me out or help this club out, they better have some of those uh, things that I'm not that great at. Because, of course, you can work on your weaknesses and your deficiencies as a human being. But uh, at, at some point, you have to trust others around you to do things you're not. And put the ego aside because it'll, it'll get in your way. Tanya, I'm curious to – Ben's sort of talking about strengths and weaknesses. When I think of one of your strengths, uh, it sort of goes back to what Cody was talking about, your ability to connect with people and build relationships. And Tanya is somebody that – she, she wanted to have her office next to a window where the student athletes walk into the facility every morning so that she could just see them and, and wave to them and smile. And so, Tanya, I know you care deeply about one-on-one -on -one connection and personal connection. And I'm thinking about what Cody's talking about and letting others, like, reach out and not having to do it all yourself. So I'm curious during this time, what are you doing to empower your staff to – build some of that relationship and what are you doing also to stay connected? Because I know it's something that, that feeds you and, and fuels you and is an unfair advantage that you have as a leader. Yeah, I appreciate the question. And I think um, as, 
as uh, Chris and Cody were talking about that kind of delegation and empowerment of staff, um, I was thinking, no question. And we've all learned that lesson, whether it's the way Ben learned it or, or another way, we've all learned that lesson. Um, and that being said, there is, uh, there's an importance not only for me um, and having that touch, um, but I do think there's an importance for, for others to experience that, that touch or that, that contact with um, the leader of the organization. And so figuring that out, um, I think is important. Now, what, what I've done, um, I've set some expectations for, for senior leaders and head coaches um, to at least place a value on um, establishing whatever that system's going to be with their staff or with their um, student athletes, trying to make it more regular. I acknowledged um, that a day during this period of time feels more like three days or four days. So don't, especially early on, don't say, well, I'm going to do this once a week and think that that's going to be enough. Because again, I think that time has, has really changed uh, in the last couple of weeks here. Um, but for me, one, one of the things I offered was, listen, if you're having a team meeting um, and, and you think it's important for your staff or your, your students to hear from me, um, I'll, I'll kind of do a drive-by. And so I did one this morning with uh, our gymnastics team where I just showed up for the first five to 10 minutes of their Zoom meeting, uh, said hello, told them how much I missed them, and then I Zoomed out. And so um, I think we can do that where we can have kind of a, a small abbreviated touch and connection um, but they get out of the way as our other leaders are are um, uh, running their meetings. Well, I, I've got a question for you there, Tanya. On on that is, have you uh, has this taught your coaches what a connection is? So the, there's a there is a, a drastic difference even in this forum here. So we can see each other right now, and I can see. Uh, all four of you. And so I feel very, very connected to you versus say a text message, which technically is a connection, but doesn't come with an emotional feeling that, that would, that you and I are looking at each other as, as I ask you this question. So have you, has anyone mentioned anything like that? Or do you think about that in terms of, so when going forward now is sending a text message enough for me to connect? I love that question. Uh, I was on the, the phone with one of, um, well, well, I'll be open with it, Jen Rosati, uh, who's our women's basketball coach, and she was talking about recruiting during this period of time. And she said, you know, normally we get on, we, we call people. You know, the only time we ever use video calls was when we were calling somebody internationally. And um, she said, it, it appears that for these prospective student athletes, they actually prefer this. And so we'll probably do this going forward and I thought, again, this is one of those things where I, I, I think we are learning a little bit about ourselves, that a text message or an email um, is not nearly as personal as we can be with technology today. Um, so I think slowly we're, we're learning that lesson. Um, I have had a few other conversations with coaches about, um, you know, what are your plans to stay connected with your students and where they've offered up. We've got the text messages or the emails that said, don't underestimate the power of these these Zoom calls, and I would I'd say over communicate early on um, because we are we're all feeling so disconnected because not only are we away from school but we're stuck in our houses with whatever that that has to bring. So um, we're learning, Cody, um, but I think it's important to continue to raise that level of consciousness. And then again, these lessons that we're learning during this period of time, 
how do we make them more, more part of our regular practice going forward? I've definitely been seeing this in the recruiting. Um, well, two things. One is the kids are my players who are home, so we're still on spring break, so they don't have any homework yet. But um, they are like, uh, so we, we do team calls and I do class, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior meetings, and I also do individual meetings, but we've done those kind of Zooms. And there's a different dynamic in everyone, but one of the things they, they consistently say is like, this is amazing because I told my mom, I absolutely have to be on a meeting with coach, so you'd have to leave me alone, <laughs> close the door. Just like Brian is asking his kids to be quiet. They're like asking their parents not to bother them, but it gives them sort of a sacredness around the communication that you don't get with a text message when everybody's just sitting on the couch and texting each other. And the other thing that I think I mentioned earlier, but I'm seeing a lot more um, parents on, um, and I'm fine with that. I think uh, sometimes I've said it's because I'm older, but I think it's mostly because I'm um, just willing to talk to whoever needs the information. So um, I've, I've seen a lot more. So in their household, they're doing more things together, obviously. And it just seems silly to like talk to one person and somebody else is just a couple feet away out of the camp. You know, you see that you can know the mom is over there anyway. So I'm like, why don't you just turn the camera so uh, we can see each other. Um, so just touching more people. And I think that's a positive for me. It's getting our culture and who I am as, as a recruiter, um, but just also as a person. Um, and, and the other thing I was going to mention is I'm noticing with a lot of our coaches that the coaches who are, more introverted and less comfortable generally with communication are I think falling behind I think they have to really do these things like Tanya is saying but also it's much more challenging for them and they're saying well now just I'm good with some emails and then their athletes many of their athletes are um, struggling with that some more I hear that from my players from their friends um, so it's interesting to see, like, can your personality really be the driver so much in this moment? I don't think it necessarily can, um, which also makes it easier for people who are over communicators, to your point. Chris, one other quick thing, Brian. Yeah, um, you know, we think about multitasking and how we know that you can't actually multitask, but we all try it. Um, when you're texting or even on the phone, I think there's more freedom to multitask. Whereas when you're on a Zoom, it's like, I, I, I can't check my phone right now because everyone will know. Um, and so there's this element of being a little bit more present with one another when we're on this, uh, this form of technology. It's interesting, Tanya, you bring, you bring that up just because uh, while we're doing this, you know, I started on my computer and I got my wife's computer. None of it was working. Now I'm on my phone and there were all these messages that kept coming across the screen because I didn't have it on Do Not Disturb. And so I was, I, I do do not disturb on my computer all the time because I actually work on Zoom a lot with, with clients. Um, but little tricks like that also can help. And I think people are just starting to learn what they can do to not get hijacked from a message coming in. Um, so that's just a little tip or a tool that I've found when I hit that do not disturb button, I can really do deep work and really get focused. Cody, what were you gonna say? I was just going to say, and I know two of you are in, in college athletics, so this might not be as relevant, but Ben, you and I at the start of the conversation were talking about trying to mimic real life and just use technology as the facilitator. And, and one of the things that we did uh, a couple of Fridays ago was we just had virtual beers together. So again, I've got, I've got guys in Australia at the moment. I've got guys from Vancouver to, to Halifax, Nova Scotia, and 
and not mandatory, but, you know, we had 20 something guys just having a beer and it, it, it replicated what we would do if we're in a camp or something together as well. Just that, you know, and then silly things happened on, on the call. Like it's kind of turned into everyone was wearing like their favorite Jersey or a sports Jersey. And if someone, you know, changed into a new hat, there was also another team. Everyone had to drink or whatever those stupid things are. But like, it, we also don't need to just be serious in this time. Like there's, there's opportunities for us to be together and have downtime virtually as well. And so for us, like, some of the comments about just that couple of hours together, just having a beer was just, this culture is, is just magic. Um, and so, yeah, it doesn't, I think as well, yeah, we, we don't need to just be only doing serious team activities together. We can have fun and have some downtime and just enjoy each other as, as people. I've been doing Virtual a lot of happy hours. Happy hours. Coaches too. Yeah. <laughs> I probably had ten in the first in the first twelve days. I think I had ten uh, happy hours on the variety. Not with my players, just for the record. <laughs> uh, so I actually think that's a Benny. You're, you're you're muted. I don't know if you you had something there. <laughs> Go ahead. Go. Ahead, I've never been around Ben at uh, a restaurant before, so I don't I don't know if if he does happy hour ever. Well, I, uh, that, that seems like a lie. Yeah, it was <laughs> as you, as you both smirk at each other. <laughs> well, I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I picked the, an interesting time to, uh, not drink starting January 1st, 2020 for the first time in my life. Um, so yeah, I've been sober through all this including with three kids locked in the house with them. So it's been a challenge yeah. not to have a happy hour every now and then. Good for you. So, Cody, I'm actually glad you brought that up. And I think it's a good place for us to start to wind down here. So, first of all, you know, as I was going through all those technology issues, like I felt frustrated, stressed, upset, disappointed. And then I'd come back and it seemed like you all were flowing without me. And um, so it was really cool to just jump in and out and see that. And one of the things that I was reminding myself is it's out of my control. I'm doing the best I can. And and trying to make it happen. I think all of us are feeling that in some capacity, whether it's Ben, you talking about, you know, having contact with your players and the inability to do that. You know, Cody, uh, you're always producing content, but you also have a job and, and you're wearing multiple hats and you're coaching. And, you know, there are things that aren't going to necessarily go well. And, and Tanya and Chris, both of you are so intentional about how you think about uh, contact and right now is a big time of year for your athletes and the inability to actually uh, be able to help them perform right now. Um, I'm sure it's a feeling of, of frustration. So um, I think for all of us to sit and learn and, and feel that is really important. Uh, but to close, what I'd like for each of you to do is just share uh, where people can learn about you. Some of you are more active on social media than others or something that you're passionate about. Um, or something that you want to promote and give a megaphone to. It could be a nonprofit or, or something along those lines. So, Cody, I'll kick it to you first. Then we'll go to Tanya, Ben, and Chris. You'll take us home. Yeah, again, uh, thanks for the opportunity, Brian, and for bringing us together. And, and you know, we, we were joking that, you know, uh, coaches just jam like this anyway. So if, you, if we all met at a party, this conversation would have happened. So... Uh, thank you for bringing that together. Uh, yeah, all, all of my my stuff, my coaching, consulting, content, ideas, um, podcast is all at codyroyal.com. 
The good thing about having a name like Cody Royal is that I'm very easy to find uh, because no one else has those Twitter handles or those Instagram handles or that website. Or uh, I think there's one one kid that has the same name. So, but uh, I'm very easy to find online. Uh, and yeah, I'd say you know if if I've said anything that that interests you. Um, I'd say my, my podcast might be interesting. Again, it's, it's a bunch of ideas where I, I bring together usually someone from sport and business or someone who's or two people who are talking about similar things, but one might be in the United States and one might be in the UK. And so bringing them together into a forum like what we're doing here kind of allows them to jam on ideas and bounce ideas off each other. So I try to facilitate that. Uh, that kind of compound interest idea where, um, you know, the ideas flow onto each other. So that might be interesting to any coaches that are, that are listening in here. Um, if anything I've said makes uh, any sense to you. So um, I'm very active on Twitter. So feel free to either follow me there, send me a DM, uh, get in touch with me. Uh, I'm sure you can tell that I love chatting about coaching. So always happy to chat more. Cool. Um Similarly, I've got a unique enough name that it's pretty easy to find me online. Uh, I, I think my Twitter handle is probably like Tanya Rogel 7 or something like that. It's where I put more, most of my professional stuff. Um, I'm going to be honest. The thing I'm most passionate about right now is, is something that's somewhat under attack, and that's intercollegiate athletics. Um, many of us are products of intercollegiate athletics, and, uh, and I think you know we're being tested, whether it's through um, – revenue distributions and shortfalls that are going to be facing us in the near future or name image and likeness or, or defending amateurism and all that. Um, there, there's specifically for Olympic sports and for, for uh, female athletes, um, it's super important that we continue to defend it. And um, so, you know, that's what I'm passionate about and, and something that I, I speak on uh, panels and on podcasts about often, um, and I'll continue to defend it because I, I think it's critical for um, for our young people to have a place, and, and America does it um, differently than anybody else by tying it to education. But uh, I'll continue to defend it because I, I think it's a, a great thing that our country's doing. So, thanks for having us on, Brian. Ben, go ahead. Don't have much social media presence. Uh, no Twitter, no Instagram. Uh, I have thin skin, so I can't take the comments, uh, the comment section. Uh, the, the, the one charity that is a little bit special to me is DC Scores here in the Washington, DC area. It's our charitable arm with uh, DC United, just a, a, a wonderful outlet for kids uh, to play sports, healthy living, uh, poetry, reading, and the arts. And uh, it's a uh, near and dear to my heart because of the art sport connection. It's a very strange connection, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense uh, that art and uh, sport uh, are connected in this charity, but uh, it is. And I've been working with them for uh, 20 plus years. So uh, check them out and support them as most nonprofits right now, they're all struggling and they're all struggling for money and fundraising as everything dries up. Uh, so if you can help in any way, uh, please do. Just uh, before we go to Chris, just a quick shout out to DC Squares. Their CEO is a woman named Bethany Henderson, who's brilliant and an amazing leader and somebody who I've gotten to know over the years. And they hosted a event with Ben a couple of years ago where they sold Ben's art 
And Ben is an amazing artist and so much so that I bought one of the pieces at that, um, at that event and Ben's son, I think, I took a picture of it and Ben's son said we had it um, upside down, so we need to fix it. But <laughs> Ben is an amazing artist. Ben, if people want to also find your art, where can they do that? Uh, they could go to benolson.art and uh, if they have interest in any of the pieces, uh, I'll certainly, I'm certainly open to discussing uh, charitable contributions uh, of, of those purchases to go to their charity or, or, or one of my own. So we can discuss that offline for sure. So see, I got Ben to promote something. And uh, <laughs> good job, Brian. Uh, go to benolson.art, Go, go check it out. Chris, I know you have to run. So, um, sure. you know, you are involved with a lot more than just Williams. Uh, and you do a lot at Williams. But um, I would love for you to promote some of the stuff that you're, you're passionate about as well. Sure. Well, like, like Tanya, I'm passionate about collegiate athletics and most especially, as I said earlier, the sort of the defense of coaching, I think needs to, needs to rise to the top and big decision today, I think is going to really impact coaches negatively more than anybody else around eligibility and scholarships. So that's a, that's something. Um, and I put that into practice really in my um, private coaching business where I've long asked the question, you know, why does Tiger Woods and Serena Williams and, Jack Welch, for that matter, uh, all the CEOs have have coaches that help them sort of see their world and and sport coaches. Um, they have uh, leaders and mentors on many occasions, but they don't um, have coaches more formally. And I think that should change. And so I do some of that. My you can find me. Um, my coaching is Chris Herman. Dot com is sort of my website, and then uh, on social, most of the places I'm GT3, which is Go Team. Uh, number three, uh, coaching um, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, that's how I operate there, um, and I'm, I'm quite active there. And uh, so that's my number one passion, in addition, obviously, to the game of softball and my players, um, maybe in reverse order. And um, lastly, um, a big uh, passion of mine is a nonprofit called Team Impact that um, uh, Tanya's probably heard of. I'm a founding member of Team Impact myself and a couple of buddies started that about 10 years ago. And what Team Impact does is match children with various medical challenges with uh, currently almost all collegiate, but any sport teams. Um, and the kid gets a jersey and gets to be matched with the team. And um, it's very interesting. We had a board meeting this morning talking about the financial implications, but also really that um, one of our taglines is we we fight lonely uh, it's not that exactly but something about uh, all in for not being alone right that's what being on a team is all about and so for children with medical challenges generally um they're they can be not alone by being with the team and now that we're all alone in a way with this um team impact has um really become important and i um that's uh, teamimpact.org or actually probably .com now although it is a nonprofit. I really encourage people to look at that. It's a uh, huge passion of mine and uh, full circle, all the systems and processes that Brian uh, was talking about and I was uh, able to shine a light on really came from my experience in building Team Impact, which although is a nonprofit, we built it like a business and that was the moment and one of the moments in time that made me stop. So really everything in my uh, world is meshed with those things have been very, very cool. And I really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk about it. I felt like a slow pitch softball player, not a fast pitch one, as I lofted that up to 
uh, Chris, yeah. and I was a little worried she was going to mention Team Impact because I know Tanya, uh, one of your uh, teams, just just recently did something with with Team Impact. So they do amazing work. I encourage everyone to check them out as well. I'm on Twitter at Brian Levinson, Instagram intentional underscore performers. And you can listen to all these conversations at intentionalperformers.com. I appreciate all of your time so much. I wish I was on here for more of the conversation <laughs> than I was. I'm a little bitter about it, but I look forward to conversations with all of you in the future and appreciate all of your leadership and your willingness to come on and share your time. Uh, during such an uncertain time as well. Thank you all. Thank you guys. Good luck. Be safe. Thanks, Brian. Take care. Thank you. Ah, uh, there we go.